This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Uh, I just want to start off by, uh, by thanking everybody for your, uh, your kind words, your support, your love. Uh, and the conversations that I've had with you in the last couple of weeks after we launched the idea of Activate to you guys. Uh, it means so much to Carly and I, your support and love. And we feel the excitement. We feel the tangible buzz that's in this church towards that. And, uh, you know, we're excited for change. Something is happening in this city. We really, we really feel the divine timing of God on this and his hand on this in 2020. I don't know what's happening in this city, but something's shifting. And we want to be a part of it. We want to be on the front lines of what God's doing. Um, you know, people are... People who are lost are truly searching, I think, now more than ever. Um, there are people who have more questions than they do answers. Um, there are people who are, who are seeking something, but they don't know what. And there are people who don't need, you know, people in this world, they don't need another echo that's going to tell them, you know, the right and the wrong. They don't, they don't need another voice that's telling them all the wrong that they're doing in this world. But they actually need a voice from heaven. They need a voice that's going to pierce the darkness in their life. They need a voice that's going to call them out of the darkness, that's going to call out the God potential on each and every one of their lives. And people don't need another spiritual debate. They don't need another theological argument about what is right and what's wrong. But people in the city need a true, genuine encounter with the Savior. And that is the heart behind Activate. That people in this church would realize that they are living, breathing, walking, talking God encounters everywhere they go, to their family, to their friends, to their neighbors, and that they would truly transform this city and be the hands and feet of Jesus to this city. You know, this may make some people uncomfortable. How many people are already uncomfortable by my message? <laughs> Block the doors. Okay. You, you are actually part of God's ultimate plan to bring heaven to earth. Did you know that? You are part of God's plan. You see, many Christians around the world are praying that, that, you know, God would reveal himself in love and power to the world. But you know what? God actually chose you to be the deliverer of love and power to the world around you. Come on. We're to bring heaven to earth. You know, there's a popular saying in the book of Esther, a popular verse that says, you were born for such a time as this. You were made for such a time as this. And I really believe that that verse, it echoes throughout all time. And that you and I were strategically saved, strategically positioned by God like a chess piece that is meant to be the voice to this generation to ultimately bring the enemy one step closer to a checkmate. You are called to be the light to this city. You are called to bring heaven down to earth. We are living, I honestly believe, we are living and seeing one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit in this world. We may not see it around, around town. We may not see it in this city just yet. But you look at what's happening in Asia, the underground church in Asia. You look at what's happening in the Middle East. There are thousands and thousands of people getting saved on the streets every single day. There's miracles beyond belief that are happening in Africa and South America. And yet here in Canada, there are churches that are struggling to even keep their doors open. You know, in this church, we have seen and been a part of some great moves of God. We've seen some awesome miracles, heard some amazing testimonies within these four walls. But I believe there's a next level. I believe that there's, there's if I can say it this way, there's a, a great disconnect between what is happening in these four walls and what the Holy Spirit wants to fully accomplish in this city. Now, that's not to discredit what we've already seen, and we've seen some great things, but I believe that there's, you know, the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on something. There is, there is a fresh wave coming. 
there really is. I truly believe there's a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit coming in this city. And I don't know about you, but I want to I ride that wave, you guys. I want to ride that wave. You know, so the cause for the disconnect of what, of what is happening in the church versus what is yet to happen in the city, the cause for that disconnect is, I believe, one of the greatest ploys of the enemy. And I want to shed some light on that this morning, if that's okay. And I believe that that ploy of the enemy, that tactic that he uses, is actually his last stand against Christians. You know, the enemy is a pretty smart guy. He knows that, you know, it's pretty unlikely that he's going to get a, a firmly grounded Christian to switch teams and play for the other side. He knows that he's, he's really not likely to get you to switch teams. So where I believe that the enemy puts all his chips on the table is in the area of instilling fear into Christians from multiplying and sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel and multiplying. The enemy doesn't want to see, you know, five camera Jeffs. I mean, humanity, humanity doesn't want to see more than one camera Jeffs, but, you know, one is more than enough. <laughs> but really what the enemy is trying to do, he's, he tries to plant and instill fear into people's lives so that they would withhold the gospel. And, and really what fear of man is, and, and if this is a new term to anyone, really what it means is fear of what other people would think of you for sharing Jesus, for evangelizing, for putting the full gospel on display in your lives. And sometimes it can be crippling. It can be, you know, completely worrying that, that holds us back from fully sharing Jesus. And, you know, fear is kind of, kind of a funny thing. Fear actually has a voice, and fear will play the worst-case scenario in our minds. And fear will tell us, who are you to share Jesus? You have no qualifications to do that. You just sinned like three times this morning. You have, there's no way you should be sharing Jesus. But fear is really, it's a shout from the enemy's camp to say, hey, look over here, look over here, so that we would look at, at he will try and tell us what we're lacking rather than us seeing what we actually fully possess of God that's inside of us. And, and really, he, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get our eyes off of God, our, our eyes off of what God is doing. But when we are firmly planted, when we are staring deep into the eyes of God, we're actually firmly staring into the eyes of love. And when we stare into the eyes of love, there is no fear. There is no fear in love because perfect love will cast out all fear. But the enemy tries to bring our eyes off of the solution of Jesus and put it onto the problem of what, what we're lacking. But we actually possess the solution. We have Jesus in his fullness inside of us. And so this morning, I want to shift our eyes, shift our focus off of the problem and bring it on to the solution of Jesus. Because Jesus is the solution for our city. Jesus is the solution for your marriage, for your family, and for your friends. That's what I want to gear this morning's message towards, is reaching our city. Because you and I were called to go. Matthew 10, verse 7, Jesus calls his disciples and he says, it is time to go. He says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, it's important to realize this was not a one-time commissioning. This is not a one-and-done event. But This is a continual life um, goal that we should be living towards, that we should be moving towards, that everywhere we go, that we would go in obedience to share the gospel with everyone that we see. I firmly believe that the time for standing idly by is gone, that the church has to rise up to be the church now more than ever before. Come on, there are people that have such a flawed view of Jesus, have such a flawed view of church and God. I think it's time, you guys, that the scales of religion would fall off of people's eyes in this city like never before. Come on, just like Saul, just like when Saul had the scales fall off his eyes, it's time for the scales to fall off the eyes of this city. 
But you know, how did the scales fall off of Saul's eyes? There was a man named Ananias. Saul needed a man named Ananias to release the, the scales of religion off of his eyes to bring Saul from religion to relationship. Just as Saul needed an Ananias to break religion off of him, so too does this city need an Ananias that's going to break the scales of religion off and bring them into relationship with Jesus. It's time to be the hands and feet to this city. And we're going to release the supernatural like you've never seen before. Whew. We're going to have some fun. Um, you see, God used Ananias in a very special way by activating the spiritual gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He operated, he, God released four key words of knowledge to Ananias. A word of knowledge is something that you cannot perceive under your own natural ability, but something that only the Spirit of God can release to you. Something about, past, your, something about somebody's past all the way up to their present. And so God revealed these four key words of knowledge. He released, he told Saul about, sorry, he told Ananias about the man named Saul. He said, there's a man named Saul. And then not only that, but he told him where he lived. Okay, how many know that the Holy Spirit knows who we are and where we are well before Google ever did? Okay. <laughs> Told him who he was, where he was, uh, what he was doing at the time, and the dream that Saul had. Amazing. Not only that, but then he gives Ananias a prophetic word to deliver to Saul. And to top it off, he gives him the gift of healing so that he can heal the blindness that is over Saul. This is all found in Acts chapter 9 if you want to read. That's a pretty good day in ministry in my eyes. So Ananias operated in these three different gifts that brought a man from religion the blindness of religion, and birthed a relationship with the Savior. You see, Ananias, he had a God encounter. Then he became a God encounter so that somebody else could experience a God encounter. You too are called to be that same God encounter. And it's time that the city of Kingston experience a God encounter. You know, sharing Jesus can be uncomfortable. Nobody's left yet, so we're doing okay. Ananias was uncomfortable. He was so uncomfortable with this. See, in chapter 9, verse 11, Jesus tells him to go. He shares how he's supposed to go, and he tells him to go. But then Ananias, he responds in fear. But then a couple of verses later, Jesus, he loves him, and he encourages him. And then he says, go again. But this time with an exclamation mark. Come on, Jesus ain't kidding around. He's serious. When he calls us to go, it's time to go. All right? Now, Ananias was afraid, but he confronted that fear. He pushed through, and he went anyways. See, I've been, I've been doing this study on, on, on the word courage, on what courage looks like in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God gives us courage. Everywhere in the Bible, God says, or Jesus says, be courageous. Stand up in courage. Go forth and be of courage. See, there's a a requirement on our part. And Ananias understood this, that the courage will come when you step into courage. It takes a step. Come on, we're going to step. We're going to go for a walk together, and it's going to be fun. Okay, let's move on. Okay, we are all capable of activating the spiritual gifts that live within us. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, we do not lack any spiritual gift. Whoa, come on. We all have access to the spiritual gifts, and none of us lack any of it. We all have access to that. We are all capable of activating the spiritual gifts. And through the ministry of Activate, we're going to teach you how to overcome fear 
and, how to, and build you up in those giftings in a loving and encouraging and comfortable environment. See, I kind of liken it to, to learning how to ride a bike. First of all, you learn how to ride a bike. You, you don't read a book on how to ride a bike. You don't watch a movie about how to ride a bike, right? You don't pray in your prayer closet for an hour, how, God, how do I ride a bike? How do you ride a bike? You go out by doing it. You physically ride a bike. So that's why we believe in these activation exercises that are going to physically put you on the bike, and we're going to ride our spiritual bicycles. Now, when you learn how to ride a bike, what happens? You fall and hurt yourself sometimes. Literally, the first time I rode a bike, I fell off and broke my elbow. No word of lie. I spent the whole summer in a cast. It was terrible. But, so, it, this, doesn't really, this doesn't really help my point, but... Um, <laughs> What, normally, when, when you ride a bike and, and you fall off, what, what, what happens? You, you, your parents, they, they pick you up, they dust you off, they love you, they encourage you, say, son, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you're so awesome. And then what do they do? They, you know, they put a helmet on you, they put elbow pads, shin pads, knee pads, all the bubble wrap and all that stuff, and then they send you to the park where it's a soft, grassy place, so if you fall, you don't hurt yourself. Activate is that soft, grassy landing where we're going to teach you how to ride a bike so if you fall, you don't hurt yourself. We're going to pick you up, dust you off, and love you and encourage you and send you out again. See, we believe that failure is inevitable, but encouragement is unavoidable. We're going to encourage you to death. You're going to feel loved. So that is why encouragement is literally our number one core value of Activate Ministry. The safest, this will be absolutely the safest environment that will ultimately empower you to do things that you never thought you could ever do, ever. We're going to create that environment for you. We'll also celebrate and be excited about other people's victories, even if we haven't seen a victory ourselves. Core value number two, risk-taking. Okay. Growth cannot occur without first taking a risk. You will ultimately be asked to do things that are going to stretch your comfort level a little bit. Come on, without stretch, there's no growth. Come on, did you know that we have the exact same number of muscles that Arnold Schwarzenegger does? I'll let you guys figure that out in a second. Okay. You're going to make mistakes, but we're going to love you through them, no matter what. Risk ultimately elevates your faith, and nothing great was ever accomplished without first a risk being taken. You know, I heard, this, I heard this, somebody say this once, that the greatest moments in your life that you always remember happen 20 seconds after you had butterflies in your stomach. Come on. Third core value is this, love. Come on, how, how can we not have love? Love is never up for negotiation. Love is always given, and it is always necessary to grow and to receive. Okay, fourth core value is this, honor. We are all so very valuable in God's eyes, and we're going to pursue that very same perspective as we help each other grow through this experience. Because first and foremost, we are all on the same team. Come on, we're all in the body of Christ. Your gifting is no better than my gifting. My gifting is no better than your gifting. We're going to build each other up. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Come on, we need everybody together working together. Okay? Fifth core value, oh, this is so good. Is having fun. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> the kingdom of God is what? It's righteousness, peace, and joy. joy. Come on, a third of the kingdom is joy, you guys. We're going to have some fun and activate. This course is designed for you to have a lot of fun, but at the same time, we're not playing. Okay? God is sovereign king. He is Lord of lords. He is king of kings, but he's also our best friend. Amen? And we're going to have fun with our best friend. 
Okay? And the last core value is this. It's teachability. We're going to learn from our experiences. We're going to learn from the Holy Spirit. We're also going to learn from one another. If we're not continually learning, we're not growing. And in order to be growing, we need to be teachable. Proverbs 27, 17, this is like my lifeline for this ministry, is iron sharpens iron. Come on, we're going to build each other up. We're going we're to cause each other to be stronger together. Amen? Amen. Now, God really highlighted this one story to me about fear and, and how it clearly relates to modern-day Kingston and what that looks like and how we can reach this city. So in Numbers chapter 13, the Israelites, they had left Egypt, and they were moving towards the promised land. And they, they get to about the land of Canaan, and, and Moses, God d- downloads into Moses. He says, he gives them a great idea. He says, I want you to send 12 spies into the land and check it out, scout it out, and see what it's like. And so he does. He sends 12 spies for 40 days and 40 nights. And they investigate the land and see if it's good. And they come back and they have this report. And you see, 10 of the spies, they chime in first. There's 10 guys, but there's two other guys I'll talk about in a minute. These 10 guys, they come in, and they're all excited. They say, you should have seen. There's literally a river of milk flowing through it. And there's a waterfall of honey. It tasted like Skittles. It's beautiful. And then they actually brought fruit with them. And they said, you should see the size of this blueberry. They were carrying all the fruit with them so they could see what it looked like. You know that scene from Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, that girl turns into a blueberry? That's actually a recreation of what happened in this book. (laughs) Having fun is a core principle of Activate Ministry. (laughs) Check. So they keep telling about how great this land is, but then out of nowhere, their rhetoric shifts to a level of fear. And then they start saying how big and how scary the people are. How strong and fortified the city looks. Let's pause here for a second. How many times have you heard in a church service or in a podcast or a conference or something that the city is ripe for the harvest and the time is now? For crying out loud, I just said that five minutes ago. Give me grace. They've said that there's fruit out there and it's, it's, it's time to, to, you know, the time for the harvest is now. Yet, there's no action plan to follow. There's no teaching on what that looks like. And it's mostly just hype and build up. And, and, and people get, people, you know, attached to that and they fall in love with that. And, and, and people have the amazing motives of, you know, we're going to go reach the city. We're going to go do this and do that. And then people go out in their own strength and in, in their own power. And they're met with fear ultimately of, oh, look how big the people look. Look how strong the city is. Look how fortified it is. And then get derailed. See, and activate. We're going to go step by step in building you up in your comfort zone and having a safe environment, a safe city, sitting in small groups that are going to build you up in the first semester. In the first semester, we're going to teach you all about the small the spiritual gifts. We're going to build you up and activate them within you, within this small group setting, all around people that you know. And then it's the second semester where we're going to build you up and say this is what spiritual gifts look like in the city. This is how we have turned this gift into an evangelistic tool. All the while instilling teaching moments of how to overcome fear, how to practically overcome fear and move through fear, and how you can partner with success. Let's carry on with the story in the book of Numbers. So these 10 spies, they explain how they should stay where they're at. They say, no, we got to stay right here. This is a good spot. And then it chimes a guy named Caleb. 
Come on, he, he gets standing up there. He stands up right in front of everybody, throws his robe over his shoulder, flips his hair in the wind, and he says this. He said, we should go up and we should take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. <laughs> you see, the other ten, they were feeling pressured. They were feeling pressured to, that, that they were going to have to leave. You know, this was their comfort zone. This is where they had, you know, they had been for a while. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that promised land looks great, but, like, I got a good, like, rock pillow over here. Like, I'm okay sitting there for a little bit. And they actually wanted to stone Caleb for proposing such a crazy idea. Hey, you see, without a few bold steps, they never would have entered in the promised land. Without a few challenges, without overcoming fear, they would always have remained in the status quo. But there is something better for them. Just like God has something better for us if we step into courage. We can stay in the status quo. We totally can. And life will be go on as normal. Or we can step into the promised land. See, many Christians today, they'll look at someone who, who steps outside of the four walls of the church and offers to pray for someone in, or, or to heal someone. You know, they don't want to stone them. They don't. But I've gotten a lot of looks where people are like, hey, dude, are you stoned? <laughs> like, people give some weird looks. We as a church, we cannot be complacent to stay in the status quo. Come on, God is calling us deeper. God is calling us to a next level. He's putting, us, putting his finger on something. See, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 7, Joshua and Caleb, so that's two of the 12 spies, they said this, they said, the land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. I believe this verse is so very important. See, it can be easy for us to have a distorted view and look at the city and look at people through a lens of fear. You know, we're so easily affected by what the media says or by, by stereotypes or by word of mouth and what other people say, but that's not how God designed us to view people. God wants, to see us. God wants us to see the gold in every, every person. He wants us to see, him, see people through his lens of love and through his vision. That's how he designed us to see this city. You guys, I have passed through the city of Kingston, and let me tell you, it is exceedingly good, and it is ripe for the harvest. They continued on in this verse. They said, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land and will give it to us. If the Lord is pleased with us, I think that can be a stumbling block for so many people. If I can say this, that we will not see this city come to Christ if we live from a place that doesn't experience God's love, affection, and approval in our own lives. Without these three keys, I believe that we are helpless and fall prey to the enemy's tactics. See, if our perception of how God views us is flawed, then we'll never be able to step out of fear and take this city. That's why the very first lesson in Activate is understanding our identity in Christ. Because from that flows everything. See, Jesus himself, he didn't operate in the supernatural, didn't operate in the spiritual gifts until he first received love, affection, and approval from the Father. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is being baptized. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. And the audible voice of God from heaven says, Behold, this is my Son whom I love, and in him I am well pleased. He declares to the world his love and affection for Jesus. And from that point on, Jesus steps into the supernatural, steps into spiritual gifts, and performs the impossible. See, this is a beautiful story, but it's not just a beautiful story. It's actually applicable to our lives. See, in Jewish tradition, this is so cool. In Jewish tradition, it was customary for the father to take his eldest son 
He would take his eldest son out into the marketplace, right into the center of the city where business transactions would occur, where judicial system, judicial decisions were made. And the father, he would actually put his arm around the son and he would declare to the city, this is my son. I now give him full authority and empowerment to make business transactions as if it were me. From that moment on, the son could go out into the city and make any business transaction. He could buy and sell anything as a part of the family business as if it were the father himself doing it. Okay, okay. In the same way, God declared to the world through the death of Jesus on the cross that you and I can make business transactions with the world because the Father shows his love for us. We can make business transactions. We can go into this city and we can make a transaction of love right here. Come on now, we can make a transaction of prophecy right over here. We're going to make transactions of healing every single place that we go because we have access to the kingdom of God. Come on, on earth as it is in heaven. We're literally pulling down heaven to be a part of earth because we have transactions with the Father. We must know how God views us and how pleased he is with us. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, We are the, to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He takes great delight in you, and in his love he no longer rebukes you, but rejoices over you in singing. God is so pleased with you. He is so proud of you. He loves you so immensely despite your past. No matter what you're going through, God will always, always receive you with open arms. And if we get this one truth, we've won. He will give us the land. Now to go back into the story of Numbers, in verse 9 it says, Do not be afraid of the people. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. You see, there are no walls. There are no fortifications, no factors of size, and no people group that can withstand the power of God's love when his body is united in love and the Lord is with them. See, fear of man, it keeps us from actually being productive in the kingdom of God. And God really dealt with this in me actually the last couple months. And I felt God say to me in my quiet time one day, he said that, Scott, your desire to live a risk-free life is actually a form of unbelief. That wrecked me. And you know, we all go through different levels of fear at different stages in our lives. And for me, fear of man, it started at a really young age. You see, when I was young... Um, I was fairly overweight, um, and it, it started this really unhealthy pattern where I always wanted to please people. I always wanted to make people happy, and it always happened at my own expense. I just wanted to make people laugh. And so it turned into this spiral effect of I eventually became fearful of what other people thought of me. That's all I cared about. And I had this deep fear of man. The last couple years, God's really been stretching me in this area, really challenging me and helping me grow. But most importantly, God's been healing me. See, two summers ago, I had this quiet time with God, and, and I, I asked him a question. You know, how many of you know we can ask God questions and he can answer us, okay? And activate one of the first lessons that we talk about is how to hear the voice of God. We're going to teach you that God is always speaking. He's always speaking. We just need to tune in. You know, it's like a radio. You know, you just have to be on the right frequency. And oftentimes, all we hear is static until we actually tune in to hear what God's saying. And we align ourselves with him. And God speaks in so many different ways. He does. He speaks through his word. Sometimes he speaks audibly. He speaks through angels. He speaks through creation. 
And he also speaks through dreams and visions. And so God's really been revealing these visions to me. And, and I was having my quiet time uh, two summers ago, and I asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, where were you in that moment when I was being made fun of for being fat? And without a split second passing, he puts this image into my head. And there's Jesus standing right next to me. He puts his arm around me, and he sticks his belly out bigger than mine, and he's got a big old smile on his face, rubbing his belly. Come on. That's my Jesus. That's my kind of Jesus. Did I tell you a core value of Activate is having fun? We're going to have fun. See, in that moment, God healed me. He healed me. And in that moment, I stopped caring what other people thought about me. And he also taught me that when, when people make fun of you, when people, you know, make fun of you for, for living Jesus, living out Jesus, really, they're not putting any judgment on you or condemnation on you, but all that judgment and condemnation actually falls on Jesus. And Jesus actually took all that condemnation and that judgment 2,000 years ago for us so that we could live in freedom. Amen? So that moment, it healed my relationship with Jesus, not just as my Savior, but also as my best friend. He really opened my eyes to view Jesus in this different way. And sometimes we can take Christianity a little too seriously and forget to have fun. Come on, Jesus wants us to have fun. Okay? So that's why it's one of the core values. What we're doing, it's kingdom work and it's serious. We're not playing. But at the same time, we are going to have a lot of fun. Now, fear of man, it, it, it's kind of a, it's a sneaky thing. It is. It tries to rob us of our future. It tries to rob us of our potential. And I think the greatest factor that actually broke this fear of man off of me was starting to see people through the lens of Christ. Starting, I kept asking God, God, show me your love for people. Show me your love and, and how you view people. And he started to download these, these, you know, an affection and a compassion towards people and started to show me how he wants to heal people and make them whole. But when I would take my eyes off of the Father's heart, then I would partner with fear. And all of a sudden, I'd start making up, uh, you know, justifying why I wouldn't go pray for someone when I saw someone that was hurt. I'd start justifying why, you know, someone that's at the grocery store that's got, you know, crutches trying to get groceries. I started to justify, well, I don't want to be an inconvenience. I really don't want to bother them. It's really kind of funny when you think about it because they're about as inconvenienced as they can be when they're getting groceries with the crutches, Right? But we often build up these cases in our mind as to why we shouldn't reach out and, and, and talk to someone, why we shouldn't reach out and pray for someone, because we don't want to be an inconvenience. Did you know that Jesus was an inconvenience? It's not a very Christian thing to say. Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. That wasn't very convenient. Jesus literally interrupted a funeral to raise somebody from the dead. He, he interrupted his own funeral by raising himself from the dead. <laughs> it's kind of an inconvenience. Do you think people minded being inconvenienced at that point? No, they're, you know, the, the most convenient thing is that they were healed at that moment or they had breakthrough at that point, right? Remember the Bible says that we can do everything that Christ did and even more. See, when we start seeing people for the eternal beings that they are and not in their temporary state here on earth, then we can't help but have an affection towards them. If we truly believe that heaven is real and that eternity is a really, really, really long time, then it's going to shift the way that we see people and we can't help but reach out towards them. Amen? Yeah, I brought a little visual to help kind of make my point here. Francis Chan does this awesome thing and I want to try and emulate it here. So here I've got this... It's really long rope. 
Okay? I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that this rope, it stretches. It, it just keeps going and going and going all the way that way. Okay? It just keeps going and going around the world. It never stops. But it, it ends on this end. Everybody see there's a little piece of black tape here. I want you to imagine that this rope is your timeline. This is your existence. Okay? And this little black piece of tape right here, that's your time here on earth. That's all we get before millions and millions and millions of years in heaven with Jesus. Yet the world spends so much time focused on this little bit right here. You know, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to work really, really hard so that I can have a really good job in this portion right here. And I think right there I might, have a, I might get married, I might have some kids, and then I'm going to work really, really hard so that I can enjoy the last 10 years in this spot right here. And yet they forget about all of this. You see, Jesus put eternity in our hearts. He put it in our hearts. See, he, he didn't put it in our minds, which is funny, so we can't comprehend this. I don't understand what a million, million, million years of eternity looks. It's like a, a bug trying to figure out how to build a car. Like, it, we just mentally can't comprehend what this looks like. But the world also doesn't understand what it looks like. And it is up to us to give the revelation of what these millions and millions and millions of years looks like. We are called to bring heaven into earth. We are called to bring everything that is here. We're called to bring business transactions from this spot to right here. It is up to us to bring that to people's lives. If we see people from that eternal standpoint, how can we hold back sharing the gospel with these people? Sharing the power of heaven that's at our fingertips. See, we are witnesses to the world around us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you, receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest places of the earth. See, there's a commissioning for us to walk in power to witness to the world around us. Now, of course, um, Supernatural evangelism is not the only way of, of evangelizing. And if you want more of a teaching behind what that looks like, there's a message that Sandra did in March of 2019 called Living on Purpose. And I'd encourage you to look at that. But that word witness, if you were to look at that word witness, that we are called to be witnesses, if you were to break that down in the Greek, it actually is the word martis, which from the English, we also get the word martyr. Martyr, of course, meaning having, something having to die for faith. Every time we witness, we will die to our safety, to our security, to our reputation and respect. When we witness, fear must die. See, when we witness, it's not going to be you or I that die. We're already dead. Colossians 2 verse 20 says, For you were included in the death of Christ and have died with him. Colossians 3.2 says, Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. In Matthew 16.24-25, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. You must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own, as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. The sooner that we realize that we're dead, the sooner that we realize that we are fully alive in Christ and live in full completion in him where fear cannot touch us and cannot take a hold of us. See, there's not enough time for us to just sit idly by and watch as the world goes on. You are God's answers to the prayers that you've been praying. Our, our prayers for the salvation of others is awaiting the move of God until we be the answer 
to those prayers. Let me try that again. Our prayers for the salvation of others is awaiting the move of God until we are activated to be the answer. got to be activated. Now, there's an interesting part of my job as a paramedic that I get to have conversations with people that really nobody else gets to have. That people that are at death's door. People that are about to enter into that eternity that most people don't get to have. And there's a very common theme in those conversations that I have with people. And it's regret. A lot of people live with regret. Because they lived their lives based on the expectations of what other people put on them. And trying to please other people and try to make other people happy, whether that was at a job, whether that was in a family, whatever it was. But sadly, the most commonly people lived with regret. I can't tell you how many times I felt such deep regret because I withheld heaven's glory and heaven's freedom from somebody's life simply because I was too afraid to share it. Even though that person at the grocery store, I'm never going to see them again for the rest of my life. I withheld eternity from her simply because I was scared. I don't want to get to heaven, stand before the Father and see a missed opportunity. This isn't theologically accurate, but I have this dream. It's really a nightmare where I'm going to stand in front of the Father one day in heaven. And he's going to ask me, son, have you learned to love my people well? And I'm not going to be able to say yes. Because there's a lineup of people stuck outside of heaven's gates. Because I was too afraid to share heaven's love with them. We must live with the conviction of people's eternities at the forefront of our mind. It has to be that. It can't be anything else. And people are dying without encountering the love of God. You know, I'm believing that heaven's gates are actually going to be crowded with people because people like you from this church were willing to risk embarrassment. We're willing to step through fear and be that, be that heaven in people's lives in this house. It just takes one moment to change a life. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. You know, there are many prophets who have walked through these doors and have prophesied that this is a house of healing. This is a house of restoration. This is a city-reaching church. I want to contrast that with a prophecy that was given over the Israelites that over a million Israelites would step into the promised land. Do you know how many Israelites stepped into the promised land? Two. Joshua and Caleb. What did they do differently that the others didn't? They partnered with the word that was spoken. And we have to do the same with what was spoken over us. See, when God speaks a word, it doesn't automatically become reality. It has to partner with our reality. And we have to step out and participate in that word in order to make it reality. See, Jesus declares it in the spirit realm and gives us a grace and ability to perform it in the natural realm. If someone were to prophesy over me that I was going to be a doctor to the nation of Zimbabwe, and yet I never went to medical school, and I didn't 
ever travel. I didn't get a passport. That word's never going to come to fulfillment. And if we were to truly be a city-reaching church that's been prophesied over this house many times, then it requires an activation on our part. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.